You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, I'm excited about our text this morning, our new sermon series. You know, uh, we're going to be for four weeks, actually, prior to our anniversary Sunday, 31 years on June the 4th. We'll celebrate 31 years. We don't necessarily have any extravagant plans for that 31st. We definitely did for our 30th, and it was amazing. But, but I do want to take this month, and, and maybe building up to Anniversary Sunday, I, I think it's fitting that this sermon series entitled, Let Your Light Shine, kind of almost supports everything that we do around this place, even the name Gospel Light itself. So we're starting this new journey in the month of May called, Let Your Light Shine. And we're going to emphasize the lighthouse. You know, when we first started Gospel Light years ago, we had a man by the name of Kevin O'Byrne who built a lighthouse in front of the building that we have church in. It was 516 3rd Street was our address. The city gave us that address, and it just so happened to be that Matthew 516 says, let your light so shine. So we took the address of our church. We built this lighthouse. We were so proud of it. That was 30 years ago. And we've had a lot of requests to take it down. Some from neighbors. We had to stop shining the light because it kept them up at night. And uh, some from church members that said, it's old. What do you, it's it's kind of, doesn't look new. Any, does it look like it fits anymore? Come on. That was an old idea. And, and, and you know what? You, you might be right. But it's hard to part with something that is so special, that represents, and it's not in front of this building. You, you would have to go to the, the original building to see the old lighthouse that still stands and still shines and still represents so much. What I'd like to do for the next 30 or so minutes is just talk to you about how we can be a lighthouse for Jesus. Throughout the message, I'll refer to lighthouse lessons. And, and I pray that God will use these lessons And then the scriptures will be all through the word of God as we discover how we can let our light so shine. I'll be partnering with two other preachers, two other pastors in our church as we preach this four-week sermon series. It's going to be very exciting. And our goal this series is to encourage all of us, here it is, to be a lighthouse in a dark world. We've been learning and applying the core values of our church The 11 core values of gospel light spell out the acrostic to the name of our church, gospel light. So in January, we said, G, that God is number one in our lives. And the scripture says in Matthew 6, 33, that if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all these things can be added to us. In February, we we said this, the letter O represents that the opportunity to grow is always before us. Thus, in 2 Peter chapter 3, 18, it only makes sense that we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the month of March, we said this, that service with excellence is our focus. And we looked at the life of Daniel in Daniel 6, 3, and we saw that Daniel had this excellent spirit in him. And, and we decided as a church family to begin to serve Christ in an excellent way. Last month, you may remember April. 
People matter more than projects. And Scripture taught that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34, that it was obvious that Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. He saw them as having as a sheep without a shepherd, and that motivated him to teach them and to spend time with them and, 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 and to teach this principle that people matter more than projects. Now for the month of May. The next four Sundays, our fifth core value, the letter E. Evangelism is our focus in every possible way. Every Sunday you come in, to my left and to my right, you see these magnificent banners with this great graphic on it that says, Sunday after Sunday, to everybody that comes into the building, we're going to the next level. And our next level statement this month is sharing the gospel at the next level. For what Jesus said in Mark chapter 6 and verse 15, that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, is just as true today as it was over 2,000 years ago, the mission of gospel life. Next level living connects everything we do to a soul and helps people find their way to Jesus Christ. And so our goal is to shine the gospel light to shine as a lighthouse in our community. We desire to represent our name well. Gospel light. It only makes sense to be a light to others by helping others see the light. And the light of the world is Jesus. We need to be a church that illuminates our city with God's love. And that's what we've seen as a testimony today in those that have followed Christ in baptism that they've seen prayerfully the love of God and the lives of the followers of Jesus here in this congregation. Today's passage of Scripture comes from Jesus' first teaching, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've heard of it. The place where it took place is referred to as the Mount of Beatitudes. And Jesus was teaching there to the thousands that were gathered the principles of the kingdom of God. What it would look like if Jesus was the king, what it would look like if Jesus was ruling the world. He said things like this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Rather, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that will last for all eternity. He said things like, seek first the kingdom of God, and as you do that, all these things will be added to you. He said things like, ask, and, it, and you shall receive. Seek, and you will find knock and the door will be open to you. He said things like, blessed are you when you come to the end of your rope, for it is there that you will find your need for more of God. He taught us the ways of God's kingdom so that we could have a new mindset on this earth. But what we see in this beautiful passage as the sermon begins, that's central to everything that Jesus was teaching was this concept that Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 14, you are the light of the world. You. He also claimed that he was the light of the world. In John chapter 8, in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Imagine with me this morning for a moment in your mind's eye that Jesus was in the building and he asked if he could just have a word with his followers. Well, of course, the answer would be yes, Jesus. I mean, 
You are the head of this church. I mean, I'm, I'm under you, and we're all, this church is, is, is under your leadership, Jesus. You, you may have a, a word with the audience. And, and what if Jesus, in your mind's eye, was standing here this morning, and he looked out over this audience, and he said something like this. Gospelite, I have some news I, I want to give you today. You are the light of hot springs. Yes, I'm the light. I am the light. I'm the source of all power. I am the way, and, and I am the truth, and, and I am the life. But you are the light of hot springs. You are the light of Garland County. If hot springs, Jesus might say, if is going to be illuminated, it is going to be illuminated by me through you. Then he continues and says, if you are the light of the world, this is how you will know that you will be the light of the world. And he finishes Matthew 5, 14, when he says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. When we went to Israel, some of us remember this, it may have been the highlight of the trip. We sailed on the Sea of Galilee at evening. As the sun set, we sailed on that sea. And one of the things we recognized is you can see the little lights of the cities on a hill around the Sea of Galilee. These are some of the pictures. And you can see the lights. You can imagine as Jesus would have said this, they may have been thinking about the lights to the cities that were on the hills on the Sea of Galilee. And they would have connected the teachings of Jesus to these very lights. And then this is a picture of a city on a hill, an old city that just you can barely see some of the remains, but it's, it's on a hill. And in the evening times, those lights that would have shown would have been easy to see. No doubt you would have been able to see that city set on a hill. One of the highlights of the trip was being on that Sea of Galilee. And as we gathered, you recognize some of the people on the ship. They're sitting in the auditorium this morning, and we sang. And I thought you might just listen and enjoy for about 20 seconds. But while you're enjoying... Look as the camera pans around to the seashore at the cities with their lights shining on a hill. Once night falls, once night falls, you can easily see the lights. And that's the way Jesus says when he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. That's the way Jesus says it will be with you. And then he gives another picture in Matthew 5, 15. The very next verse, he goes on to say this, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a a stand, and then then it gives light to all that are in the house. You don't take a candle and put it under a basket. No, you take a candle, and you, you put it where it can light up the whole house. I 
I love the way the Message Bible paraphrases this passage. It's one of my favorites. I've actually read it to our congregation before. Just enjoy the, the, the beauty of this paraphrase as it says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Let's go public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, I love that. Now that I put you on a light stand, shine. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, just like that, just like that, here's what I want you to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you are, this is for you. Let your light shine before others. Why? Well, they'll see. If your light is shining, they will see your good works. And what that does is it prompts them to respond. It prompts them to open up about God. It prompts them to glorify God, which is in heaven. How many gospel conversations have I had, even a, a one or two this week, but prayerfully I can say this w- without exaggeration. So I always want to be careful because preachers can exaggerate, but I would say hundreds of gospel conversations and 34, uh, 40 plus years of being a Christian where when you just let your light shine, people open up. Sometimes it's not even because you shared a verse or walked them through the Romans road, as we used to uh, refer the, you know, those, those gospel tracts. Nothing wrong with those, but it, it, those aren't necessarily necessary to let your light shine. It could just be a smile, a friendly word, a prayer, a conversation that leads to something deeper about God. This is what Jesus is teaching. In other words, the way Hot Springs is going to come to light, the way that Hot Springs is going to worship God, will be because of the light of Christ through his followers living in the city. Therefore, the graphic, let your light so shine. Here is what he's saying. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. How many times have I heard someone say to me, I don't know enough about the Bible. I, I've never been to college. I, I'm not a theologian. I, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a preacher. I, I don't really know much about, uh, about, about all of this. That's okay. Jesus says, I, I just want you to let your light shine. Just let your light shine. God wants you and I to shine our light because evangelism is our focus in every possible way. And if you would just let your light shine and tell people what Jesus has done for you, and we could all do that. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Interesting. Thousands and thousands of tries. And finally, he invents this light bulb. But the magic of the light bulb was not so much the light bulb itself. It was the filament inside of that light bulb small, seemingly insignificant, little thing called a filament. It wasn't originally called a filament, but it, be, it became a filament. And that little itty-bitty filament, somewhat of the magic of the light bulb, is ineffective without a power source. 
The filament must be connected to a power source. You and I are the filament, and the power source is Jesus. And when we're connected to the power source, we shine as lights in this world to illuminate to our families. As a dad, I want to illuminate in my family, to my wife, Carol Ann, to my five children, to my seven grandchildren, to, to all of my family. I want them to see the light of Jesus in my leadership. To others, we can illuminate in our workplace. We can illuminate in, in our communities. We can illuminate in our, to our neighbors. We can illuminate in, in our classroom. We can illuminate at the gym. One of the reasons why we, we've seen people join our church is because of a group that goes to CrossFit. And when they go to CrossFit, they're letting their light shine. And when they're letting their light shine, people are coming to gospel conversations and opening up about Jesus. That's a good place for an amen, CrossFit members. Amen. <laughs> yeah. The challenge today is this, and and the challenge for my other two preachers, Kevin and Scott, are this, as as we preach this together, right? Why does Jesus need us to let our light shine? We want to challenge you with that. Why do we need to let our light shine? Be a lighthouse for Jesus. Well, what is that all about? What, what, what is this theme? Let your light shine. Well, how do we get that concept? How do we adjust to that? I want to give you three thoughts as we lay a foundation, and then we'll just take it from here and have a phenomenal month. Are you ready? Number one, three reasons why we must let our light shine. Can I ask you to make one change to your worship God? We rarely ever have a typo, but this shows we're not perfect, and it's never my secretary. It's always me. Understand that? It's always me. Number one, here it is. Look at it. Recognize you're living in the night. Your worship God says light. A mistake on my part. Recognize you are living in the night. While Jesus was on earth, he said that he was the light of the world. But when he left, darkness set in. In John chapter 9 verse 4, it says this. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. The Apostle Paul described the condition in which we live in as darkness, nighttime. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 13 and verse 12. Paul said this, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would disagree with this. We are facing darkness in this world. Darkness politically. Darkness from the standpoint of morally, educationally, spiritually. We're in the nighttime. Our battle is against the darkness of this world. Like the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 5 verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and woe to those who call good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness. We're living in that prophecy from Isaiah. Traditional Bible values are considered oppressive. The sanctity of life is under attack and cultural Marxism has infiltrated our society through media and through the political agenda. And it seems that, and I'm afraid that we're surrounded by so much artificial light that it seems that Christians are getting used to the dark. We're desensitized to these things. I mean, as I see it, 
we're having flashlight parties in the church. We just can't wait to get together and flash our lights in the building. Because the world's so bad and so dark, I mean, what difference could our little light make? And we've been desensitized. We've got so used to the dark. Paul reminded us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5 that you, you're children of the light, you're children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Jesus died to save us out of darkness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen, church. If you think you can read a verse that ends with marvelous light in a monotone way, there's no way. There's no way you can preach or listen to a verse like that without experiencing a little bit of energy in this understanding that you are not in darkness. You've been called out of that church into his marvelous light. Why? Because we need to be a light in the night. You ready for a lighthouse lesson? The first lighthouse that was ever built was built in 280 B.C., called the Lighthouse of Alexandria. This is obviously a, a computerized rendering of it. There's art, artist rendering. This is, seems to be the most consistent look of what that lighthouse might have looked like 200 years before Christ. It's interesting. Listen to this. It was the world's second largest man-made structure of its day. It was considered to be one of the seven wonders of the world. It stood 400 feet tall. Its light was said to be seen for 50 miles. But I think the most profound thing that I read as I studied the lighthouse of Alexandria was this statement that I read about this lighthouse. It had a fire that never went out. May we as a church be a lighthouse like that. A fire that never goes out. A fire that burns brightly for Jesus. What was the purpose of this lighthouse? Why was it built? What is the purpose of every lighthouse that was ever built? It is to safely guide ships into the harbor to avoid rocks, to avoid shipwreck. Because so many lives were taken and lost at sea, every, every lighthouse that was ever built was built with the purpose of saving lives. And as you and I look across the landscape of our culture today, even Hot Springs, Arkansas, as we look at the news and read the paper or look on our apps, we can see there are so many lives that are shipwrecked in our community. Finding themselves trying to navigate their way through the seas of life and finding the rocks of drug and alcohol just too much. The rocks of false teaching and heresy in the church. The rocks of Doubts and despair. The rocks of defeated life and depression. The rocks of demonic cults. We're living in the night. But because we're living in the night, number two, we've got to realize that we must shine the light. That's why we're here. We're here to shine the light in the darkness. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 14. Paul said, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Good advice. But here's why. 
Here's why I need you to do all things in the church, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless, that you may be innocent. You're children of God. Do this without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted, a dark world, a twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Jesus has left us here to shine our lights in the night. And that's why our fifth core value is evangelism is our focus in every possible way. We must all answer the question, are you shining your light? Are you? Now, there's three ways that we can do it. I'd like to just quickly bring those up and move on and and illustrate maybe in a way that would bring us to a very recent connection. For instance, number one, we can do this through our words to others. Just in the words that we speak, how we share our testimony, how we respond to people, how, how we, uh, how our kindness. You know, just, just the words that we share to our family, our children oftentimes first will experience Jesus through the words of their parents, right? A few weeks ago, we had one of our college, we had four college students this year saved and, and baptized in this little old trough here. If you were here the day that this young man got baptized, you remember when we read his testimony, when I, gave his te- when he, when he, when I took his testimony in my office, he said something like this. He said, you know, I asked him, I said, seriously, what would you say maybe one of the reasons why you, you came and gave your life to Christ? He said, well, President Capace, he said, um, I've played for a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches. And um, most of the time, I do something that makes them angry. And when I do, they, they finally reach a point where they just cuss me out. We cussed out a lot in my lifetime by coaches. I kind of think that's the way it should be until I came to champion. I've pushed all the same buttons with all previous coaches with Coach Mo. I've pushed every button you can push to make him cuss me out. And he never, I've never heard him say an unkind word. Never heard him cuss me out. Never heard him, I mean, I keep thinking, this is going to be it. He just never does it. And finally, I just decided something about the way that guy speaks that's different. Words. You ever heard Toby Mac's song, Speak Life, Speak Light, in the deadest, darkest night, Speak? Number two, we can do this not only through our words to others, but through our witness to the lost. Our witness can can help to bring others. We can shine the light through our witness. And oftentimes, I have found that our witness will lead us to have the privilege of praying with someone to receive Christ. It's an awesome feeling. I mean, if you've never experienced it, pray that God would give you that opportunity. It's a wonderful thing to just kind of, I pray this prayer every morning, pray this morning. God, help me to walk the path that you would walk if you were here in my shoes. It seems to be somewhat, you know, robotic and, and, and maybe it is. But I, I really do try to focus on it every time I preach it. God, help me to walk the path that you would walk and help the people that you would help if you were here today in my shoes. Because I know I'm going here, there, and yonder. And I want to make sure that, it, God, if you put somebody in my path that I need to be a light to and then ultimately potentially see them saved, God, I, I want to be ready. And so this morning we baptized four converts These converts, no doubt, came because Jesus was shining through someone in the darkness. 
In the darkness of their lives, there was a Jeff Taylor shining. In the, in the darkness of their lives, there, there was a, a mom and a dad praying. In the darkness of their lives, there, there was a, 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 an elder at an altar that was ready to re, lead someone to Christ. In the darkness was a light shining, ready to win them to Jesus, seeming a lost art in the church. Number three, through our works before people. Our works It's interesting. But we don't call our small groups small group anymore. We call our small groups what? Lighthouses. I had no idea that I would study what a lighthouse is and preach a sermon on it when we made the decision to change that. But I sure am glad we did because it makes for a good illustration. Lighthouses. Every lighthouse is designed to not only sharpen one another in Bible study, but every lighthouse is designed once a month to share the gospel with a mission mindset in the city. This is our Wednesday. I've got a, my wife and I do with uh, Kyle and Melissa, we do a, an adult single Bible study. This Wednesday, we are so excited. They, they, they're about to come out of themselves. You know why? Because this week we're going to the Hope House and we're bringing laundry detergent and, 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 and we're bringing, uh, what are those things you put in the dryer to make it close smell good? Laundry sheets, right? Right. Yeah, well, they are now. And uh, laundry sheets and laundry detergent, and we're going to bring over uh, food and, and, and canned goods, and, and all the girls in the Hope House are going to be there, and our group of 10, 15, we have 20, 20 plus on the roll, we're going to go, and we're just going to love on them. We're going to do a Bible study with them. We're so excited. I think everybody's going to show up. It's going to be awesome. Why? Because we want to shine the light with our works before people. When Jesus said, we are like a city on a hill, what he meant was this, we are to be a lighthouse to the ships at sea. It's super interesting. But in my study of what a lighthouse is, I found out that there are two workers in every lighthouse. The first worker is called a lighthouse keeper. And a lighthouse keeper has one real significant job, and that is this, keep the light burning. Keep the light burning. It's hard work. Here's how it works. In the old lighthouses, uh, you, you take the coal and you put that coal on your back. It's heavy. But you got to get it up to that, to that source where you're going to make sure the light doesn't go out, right? So you climb up that ladder up to where the, you, you, you pour that coal in so the fire won't go out. And man, it's a strain on your back and sometimes you fall and you bruise yourself and you get hurt. But it's okay. It's hard work. It's hard work. But everywhere that I studied, it's worth it to keep the light burning. They believe in what they're doing. They're called lighthouse keepers. But then there's a second worker in every lighthouse. They're called the lighthouse tenders. And the lighthouse tenders, they keep the lighthouse supplied. What happens is, is as the cargo ship comes close to the lighthouse, they send a, car, a, a harpoon cable over to that, to that boat or that, 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 that bar, uh, barge, and, and then they tie to that cable the mail or the food or whatever it is they need to supply that lighthouse with, and they, they, that cable comes back across to the lighthouse, and the supplies that are needed to keep the workers fed and to keep the lighthouse supplied and to keep them communicating with their families, one shines... And the other supplies. Church, we can be both. When you invite a person to church, you're a lighthouse keeper. When you pass out a gospel track, you're a lighthouse keeper. 
When you have lunch or coffee with someone like we talked about last week and you practice biblical hospitality at the next level and share Jesus in a gospel conversation at a coffee shop, you're a lighthouse keeper. And when you give your tithes and offerings, you're a lighthouse tender, keeping the lighthouse supplied. When you walk up to one of these offering boxes and you put your offering in that box or when you go to the church center app and you give your tithes or you give your offerings or you're led to give a random gift because you can see there's a maybe a deficit maybe a need and you you're sure that the, the lighthouse needs to be supplied the church needs more supplies and you're led to do that and you give you are helping to keep the light burning here in this city through this ministry i think about our new campus i wonder if it's no accident that our new church is on Sunshine Road. It's kind of cool. Sunshine Road, where the new gospel light is shining. 109 people last week in its fourth week. 109 gospel light people, or or, or people coming, not all members yet. 65 in the Spanish campus last week, hearing the gospel preached in their own language in our city. And then on the main campus, the gospel light. It can't go out without the lighthouse keepers. It can't go out without the lighthouse tenders as we supply the needs to make sure the lights are on and the, and the air conditioner. I mean, $168,000 of supply that needs to come in to meet those needs. And I only say that because I don't preach on giving much. I don't. I had someone rebuke me for that this week. Preacher, when's the last time you preached a full sermon on giving? And I, I couldn't remember. And I said, I'm so glad I'm going to kind of push back a little bit this week with three minutes on giving. But, but I do believe that it needs to be preached on more, and we need to be reminded that as we supply the lighthouse, we're able to do more to get the gospel out and to shine brightly for Jesus because evangelism is our focus in every possible way. You see, people saw the need of lighthouses because of the death of sailors. So they sacrificed to build lighthouses. Let me tell you another lighthouse story, the Eddystone Rock Lighthouse. It's a really cool lighthouse. There's, now, this one was back in the 1600s, so we don't have pictures of all of them. At the end, we will. You say, what do you mean? Hang on. Here's the first rendering of the Eddystone Rock Lighthouse, eight and a half miles off the coast of Cornwall, England, at the entrance of the English Channel. It was built on a dangerous wave-swept rock, and that was the problem. The wave-swept rock was difficult. It was the world's first open ocean lighthouse, eight and a half miles off the coast. It's been rebuilt three times. The first lighthouse, this one, was swept away by a powerful storm, killing, five, uh, killing its architect and five other men. But then they rebuilt another one, and there it is. The second one, an artist's rendering of what it might have looked like. It stood for 50 years, but then it burnt down. But they built another one, and there was the next one. This one lasted for several years. It's the third. It's the best known for the development of concrete for its building. But because of that wave-swept rock, erosion set in, and it collapsed. And so they built a fourth one. Same lighthouse, same name, same location. But every time it fell, they built it back up again. It's got a few modifications, but it was rebuilt. Why? Because shining the light saves lives. And evangelism is our focus in every possible way. And Satan comes against the church, and and, and, and critics come against the church. But thank God, the church of Jesus Christ is still preaching the gospel today. And you and I need to be faithful 
like this Eddystone Rock Lighthouse. Maybe God will call someone here today to be a lighthouse keeper on another field. Could it be that God is beginning to stir in the hearts of someone here today to go send the light, the blessed gospel light, to another field? Missions send the light because the darker the world gets, the brighter we are to shine. Number three, recognize you're living in the night. Realize you must shine the light. And thirdly, and in closing, remember the devil wants to hinder sight. The devil, he's an enemy. He's a roaring lion. And Satan wants to blind people from seeing the light. It's never been more clearly said than in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan's goal is to keep people from seeing the light. He has two main purposes. Purpose number one, he wants to damn people to hell. Let's just be honest, folks. Satan wants to take as many people to hell as he possibly can. And he will do everything in his might, everything he can to keep a person from going to heaven. And secondly, his purpose is to keep, to destroy saints to discourage saints, to defeat saints, to wear out the saints, to make you ashamed of the gospel, to give you doubts and fear and anxiety about witnessing. That's why when we used to sing that old song in children's church, and remember that? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Remember that old song? What about that great deep verse? Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Pretty theologically correct, by the way. Don't let Satan blow it out, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I still think it's a good song. And it sends a good message that there is battle for the light. And the battle for the light is between darkness and light. And when God said, let there be light, it divided. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated light from darkness. If we turn the lights on, you don't have to tell the darkness to go away. Darkness is a result of the absence of light. You don't say, hey, somebody turn on the darkness. There's no switch to regulate darkness. But I can make it brighter by increasing the light. And that's what this message is all about. To increase the light, to shine our lights. God, Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He continues in verse 11 telling us that when we speak out, we're shining out against darkness. Look at Ephesians 5, 11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Boy, that's not being done much today in our pulpits. We're afraid to expose the darkness. We just tiptoe through the tulips in many cases and we see just an erosion of truth in the church, afraid to expose the darkness with the word. It's shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
So what is the light that expels the darkness? What is it? Well, let's go back to the original story in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness, darkness was over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said four words. You know what they are. Let there be light. And what was the response to God's word? There was light. God spoke and light came. God spoke his word into the darkness. God spoke his word into the, the, the void, if you will. And the Holy Spirit of the word of God brought light into the darkness. Now, listen, and I'm closing. We are the light of the world. We are. We shine light by speaking the word. And just like this earth was in darkness, people are in darkness. And when God said, let there be light, I don't think he had to shout it. I think it was a still, small voice. Let there be light. And there was light. Our mission today is to speak God's word. That's what I'm doing this morning. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. The good news, the light of the world into the darkness. But let's not forget we do have an enemy. And he's trying to keep everyone in the dark. So let's turn on the light. You are the filament Plug into the power source. Jesus. Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus. One more lighthouse. Here it is. It's an amazing lighthouse. What a beautiful picture this is of a lighthouse in the open waters. A favorite picture of any lighthouse I've ever seen. This is a picture of the Minot Lighthouse one mile off the coast of Minot in Massachusetts. This lighthouse was built in 1850. It was built because from 1839 to 1849, there were over 40 shipwrecks destroying and killing the lives of dozens of sailors and people. Just, it was like more than they'd ever had before. So the people of Minot got together and sourced their funding and taxed the people extra. And everybody agreed, we've got to build a lighthouse. People are perishing. We've got to rescue the perishing and care for the dying and snatch them from pity and sin in the grave. We must weep over the erring one. We've got to lift up the fallen. We've got to tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. We've got to send the light. So they built a lighthouse called The Minot, they call it, lighthouse. What's interesting about this lighthouse, in addition to what I just told you, was that there's a nautical code that's been sent from that lighthouse since its inception. It's interesting. The nautical code goes like this, and at first the people did not get it, but some of you will recognize this. It's interesting. Several on the way out of the first service says, Wow, preacher, I knew about that, but I'd never known it was connected to a lighthouse. The nautical code would shine the light once. 
And then there's two seconds of darkness. And then the light would shine four times. It was two seconds of darkness. And then the light would shine three times. And it was five seconds of darkness. And then it would start again. One, four, three. One, four, three. One, I, four, love, three, you. I love you. The people of Minot, Massachusetts began to call it the I love you light as it shined its light across the ocean to save lives. For God so loved the world that he shined his light. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, let's let our light shine. As Jesus Christ in us begins to be seen, the light will shine. And you and I can send out the I love you light to this community through our words, through our witness, and through our works. Hey, come join me for the month of May as we discover why evangelism is our focus in every possible way. Maybe you're here today and and God has brought it to your attention that your light is... Is, is, not, is not shining brightly. There's some, there's some apathy. Is there apathy? Is, is, it, is it, I'm just, I've got anxiety about it. I, I'm afraid. I, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm worthy. What, what is it? Maybe tonight you can, this morning rather, you can address that in your heart and begin to talk to God about that and maybe talk to someone else and, and just seek some advice from someone. Talk about it in your lighthouses this week as you go through the message and or maybe go to our discipleship pastor, Kevin, and say, hey, can, can you help me with this? And I mean, begin a journey to get that light shining again. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're like, I, I'm just lost. I'm on that sea. I'm a shipwreck. When well, you were talking about those rocks, that's me. I came in this morning bruised and battered by sin and by darkness, and I, I see the light. I see it glimmering in this building. We don't want to have a flashlight party. We want somebody to see Jesus in us. We want to, don't want to tickle your ears. We want to preach the truth. If it offends, it offends because the gospel sometimes does that. But if we speak the truth in love, it says, I love you. So I've got to tell you the truth. If you're here today, you've never been saved. I encourage you to respond to this invitation. I'll be up front along with another elder. Tony will join me. And if there's any other elders, you're welcome to join us. We'll be, just in case you need someone to pray with you. We'll be here. If you need the altars, they're open. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity to spend a few moments with our people this week. I'm so grateful to open God's Word. It's a privilege. It really is an honor. And God, I just ask you, Father, now to take this gospel message and permeate this message through our hearts and break through the hardness and the coldness and the apathy, God. And may we become shining lights in this community. Father, I pray that as we recognize our need to be illuminated by the power source, that we would plug in every morning, spend time with you, and be filled with the Spirit so that as we walk in our lives, Lord, we're sensitive to what you are wanting us to say and do for you. I pray, God, for anyone here today who's never come to know you as their Savior, and they've been inspired, and maybe they've even 
been inquisitive as a result of the baptisms, buried with him in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. What does that mean to be buried with Jesus in his death? What does it mean to be raised with Jesus in resurrection? Oh, that's the gospel. Father, I pray that anyone here today that is searching for the truth, that they will have found it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?